tyranny was broken by the sins of the father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Welcome back to Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing this story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 13 the rain was coming down hard as we came out of the back doors leading to the garbage bins behind the hospital. Julia pulled her hood over her head and I put up a small shield around myself to keep the rain out. It was almost raining down sideways with the wind, and I ushered Julia behind a bin before she got soaked. She looked at me oddly as we took shelter, a mixture of motions going on behind her eyes that made her seem apprehensive. Where do we need to go? Anywhere but here? You know what I mean, Julia. Where can I find Jack? She said something, but I missed it. What? What did you say? The wind howled in our ears, and I was tempted to make it stop until we were done here. That would just be too much, though, for people to ignore. I tried to not interfere too much with the day-to-day running of the worlds, even though it was tempting at times to modify things to make it more pleasant. I knew, though, that using that kind of power would only make things worse for the world eventually. It tended to cause disruptions in the atmosphere tearing at the delicate fabric of the world. It was dangerous. The presence of us was enough to start bending the world, ever so slightly. The longer we stayed, though, and the more we used our powers, it greatly exaggerates the effect. Places like Trelane were permanently altered because of the war that took place there, as several others have been. Powers like ours were not to be used lightly. Cathedral! She mouthed. Are you sure? She nodded. This was about to get much more difficult. I reached into my shirt and took hold of my medallion. Henry! There was a moment of silence, and I swore that I could hear the clanking of tools in the background. Where the hell have you been? Asked Henry in my head. Been trying to track down where Jack's hiding. I have someone here with me who says he's in Cathedral. Henry, what's wrong? Gamog is going crazy. Something bad is going on there. Achella is screaming for our help. Can you ask Casey and Dakum to aid them? I need you here, Henry. Finding Jack is my primary concern. There was a moment of silence. You don't even know for sure that it's Jack, Nick. Someone could be messing with you, making you run around trying to catch a ghost. We thought of that. Could that be really what's happening, though? After all, Jack hated Benal, and those guys were all bearing that maniac's face. Still... I'd gone to great lengths to raise Julia so she could help us. If I was wrong, would she still honor the deal we struck? I hear what you're saying, Henry, but I've got to try and check it out anyway. Come help us first. Look, Henry, I... Help us first. That's my goddamn price, Mick. Those assholes cut off my balls, and I'm not going to go back among them on a hunch. Not when there's bad shit going on in Kamak. Damn, damn, damn. He would choose this moment to get pissy. Fine. I'm coming through to wherever you are. Just give me a second to explain when I get there, okay? I'll be there shortly. What? 
Explain what, Mick? Wait, who the hell's with you? I let go of the medallion and tucked it back under my shirt. Oh my, do I get one of those too? Maybe. Look, when we get to Henry, please just let me do the talking. I'm very sure he still doesn't like you very much. How will he even know it's me? Um, how do I say this? You're very, uh, distinctive? I flicked one of the little jewels spelling out the words Queen Bitch on her shirt. The shirt isn't mine, she said, pulling at it. It suits you. Some people never change, Lethia. She just stared at me for a moment, droplets of rain falling between us. I felt a slight change in the air, and Julia's eyes filled with power. I held my breath to see what would happen. That's not my name anymore. She grew slightly taller, and I could see a strange growth of muscle on the arms of the young girl who had inherited Julia's power. She rose six inches above the ground. There was no darkness, though. No black veins or ugliness as there was when she was Lethia. It was just pure power. Now I was really going to see what she could do. Names don't mean a damn thing, Julia, I said, rising up above her. I don't care what you call yourself. Show me who the hell you really are. I shot up into the night, my coat flapping up around me as I soared up above the city. The hood slipped back and I let the field surrounding my body let go. The rain pelted my face and the wind streamed around me as I flew. I marveled at it for a moment. The sensation of speed and power that I'd never known before, I took a father's mantle. I smiled, turning myself around in a sloping bell curve to see if Julia had taken the bait. And I wasn't disappointed. Julia's strident fist slammed into my chest at full speed, setting me spinning backwards. It was a huge blow, worthy of the old Lethia. I gritted my teeth against the pain and watched as she spun around with something like a swimmer's expertise to renew her attack. The look on her face was not malevolent, but joyful, which could be just dangerous. I had read myself and shrugged at her. She flew at me again, much faster than I anticipated. I barely had time to grab her arm as she came in, and I flung her back over my shoulder like a slingshot. I caught the look of surprise and rage on her face as she tumbled down and away. She stopped about twenty feet down and grabbed her stomach as more of its contents flowed over her and into the night air. She cried out in frustration and wiped at her mouth. Looks like you're still a little weak, Julia. I guess I shouldn't expect much. She flew at me again, her fist cocked at her sides. I twisted out of the way and smacked her on the cheek as she flew by. I was about to say something else when she halted her upward movement and dropped down at me. I was about to grab her again to throw her, but she brought her foot out in a savage kick that caught me full in the chest. I barely had time to get air back in my lungs before she grabbed me by the front of my shirt and slammed a fist into my jaw that felt like someone lowered the boom on me. For the first time in a while, I felt not so invulnerable. She kept up with it, wrapping her legs around my chest as she hammered down on my face repeatedly. After a few seconds of that, I whipped out and grabbed her arms. I pulled them down against her chest and slammed my forehead down against her nose. Blood trickled out from it, and her eyes glazed over for a second. I took the moment to put my arms around her in a bear hug. She shook her head and struggled. I tightened my grip and she screamed for me to let her go. Did you ask to save Manol? Did you ask him for mercy when he was killing you? He may be out there, Julian. He doesn't take prisoners. You know that. What do you want from me? Tears were streaming down her face now, but her eyes shone with rage. I need to know that if we do come to grips with that monster again, or any of his kind, that you won't break. I need to know that you're with me. I saw in your mind what happened to you. I need to know that it hasn't broken you. I reached out to her with my power and healed her broken nose. Her eyes tightened with a twinge of pain, but I felt her relax as we gazed into each other's eyes. You changed me, Mick. 
UNF. Why didn't you just fix me so that I wouldn't care? I can't just make loyalty. I can't give you a reason to help us. It has to be something of your own. That's not what I mean. She leaned forward and kissed me. A final tear slipped down her cheek and I fought with the strange and sudden feelings inside me not to return the kiss. I kept Casey center in my thoughts. I, we can never do this. I didn't realize you even felt like this. Julia slipped out of my grasp and floated on her own. I ran after the visions that Penny gave us to follow Mick, but I would have come after you anyway. It was so hard to fight against the thing inside me that wanted to destroy you. I have loved you and hated you in equal amounts, and I wish so much that I could have just stayed as Julia. I felt like an idiot and an asshole. This was supposed to have been a test to see if she could handle her power in her new body, and if she would remain loyal to me once that power was realized. Neff had seen in her mind more than I had, obviously, but it never mentioned any of this. Could she be lying? Or maybe it just didn't matter to Neff. Either way, it left me in a very funny place. I'm sorry, I said, taking one of her hands in mine. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't know. She returned my grip and smiled at me. It's fine, Mick. At least you know that I have a reason for fighting, right? Again. Asshole. I suppose I'm getting exactly what I wanted. Yeah, I guess I do, but we'd better get going. She pushed back her hair and pulled her hood back over. Lead the way. Chapter 14 A heavy sheet of tropical rain swept across the jungle valley where we appeared in Kamog and I was sorely tempted to knock the rain out completely for the time being, no matter what the cost. This had been the world from which Takum had originated, and it could be a miserable and dangerous place at times. Poverty and sickness had killed many of the children from Takum's village when he was growing up, and that wasn't the worst trouble that humans faced here. The primeval jungle forests that dominated most of the planet's land masses were filled with eh, pretty dangerous predators that ranged from tiny poisonous lizards called Chura, whose bite brought hallucinations, fever, and death, to colossal feline types, the Sukunga, stalking from tree to tree and striking an unwary prey from above. Then there were the Kresh, a strange blending of great ape and cane toad, with strong arms ending in long claws and a wide jaw with rows of teeth inside. Most of the people who lived in Kamog, those who survived beyond their 20th birthday, were warriors of one stripe or another. Takum had been different. A crippled child whose kind and gentle nature seemed to be in contrast with the horrible conditions he grew up in. He once told me that his abnormal size and strength had made him his target for bullies from the moment that the other children realized just how easy it was to attack a person who didn't want to fight back. His crutches made it even more appealing, although that ended badly when he killed one of the boys who attacked him. Sadly, that was how they learned that Dakum was not to be messed with. It was then that his power had begun to make him even bigger, and his legs had grown strong enough to carry the rest of his oversized body. It was as if the essence of the rebel shepherd inside of him had waited until Takum had given in to the worst side of his nature before it decided to help him. I had nearly died driving my own spirit, called Lyconis, out of me, stabbing Father's sword through my chest. The searing light from the blade had destroyed Lyconis, utterly. Luckily, Casey was able to heal me before I bled to death. I had played a dangerous game back then as well. Julie and I appeared in the sky above the main settlement called Jilanka. A system of villages built on a natural flat hill that had protected its people for centuries. 
There was a long winding stone path that led up into Jalinga from the jungle floor, and it was lined with tall posts coated with a gently glowing mixture made from a fungus that grew in the forest, painting the path in a vibrant shade of purple. The path was nearly flooded with people from nearly all of the villages outside of Jalinga, their faces drawn with fear and worry as they jostled each other to get into the safety of the city. Some of them had seen us floating there and were pointing up at us. There were warriors from Jalanga making their way through the throng and into the jungle, each armed to the teeth with javelins, bows, and even the machetes that I had employed to try and help them clear the jungle and make room for more settlements. And there were a lot of them. What the hell was going on here? Casey! Henry! Where is everyone? I shouted, taking hold of my medallion. For a moment, nothing. Then Henry's frantic voice exploded in my head. Mick, get over here now! We're in the forest outside the city! Julia grabbed my arm and I turned to her. She was frantically pointing at smoke rising from the jungle where bright flashes of energy were exploding from somewhere within. It was nearly a mile away. It was a good bet that Henry had just opened up on whatever was causing the panic. I shot forward through the smoke, pulling Julia with me. We flew along, smashing through the raindrops. I quickly changed my coat into a dark vest and drew a hearth blade from its sheath. I felt Julia's grip of my hand tighten as power flowed through her again. I let go as we both dove through the smoke and into the jungle canopy. I went down slashing, cutting my way down as Julia smashed the interfering branches aside with crushing blows. A hundred feet down, Henry and Dakum were bringing the fight to the enemy. There were dozens of crash, crashing through the jungle in a solid wave of teeth and claws, pushing forward in a direct line to the village. Between them and the village were my friends. Henry was standing beside Dakum, firing one of his energy pistols, not like the one he used to slice off Manon's arm in the war. Dakum was swinging with his fists, driving the amplified force waves he created by doing so in lethal barrages that were crushing bone and pulverizing flesh. Yet the crash still leapt forward, and the boys were going to be overwhelmed if they didn't fall back soon. Mick! Look at the beasts! Look at them closely! Julia screamed. We were forty feet away when I noticed that the crash were covered in a coating of unmistakable black ichor. The same darkness that Manon had brought with him into the war. The same horrifying stuff that had changed the population of Trelane into ravening, unthinking monsters and cannibals. And now it covered creatures that were pretty damn good killing machines without it. Wonderful. I saw the look of apprehension on Julia's face. She had gone down fighting a horde of similar monsters on her homeworld at the end of the war. And I could see she wasn't up for a repeat performance. She saw me looking at her and gritted her teeth, looking away. INCOMING! I yelled as we dropped down to the ground beside Henry and Dakum. Henry barely turned an eye sideways to look at who had arrived. Dakum saw Julia, and his brow furrowed. He looked at me, an eyebrow raised in questioning. Later! Where is Casey? <laughs> Jalanga. She's trying to get people inside. Is she armed? Are you kidding? I nodded, thinking that this thing was dragging her inch by inch towards the person she once was. The Executioner. Her power had been so unbalanced before, a force that allowed her to gain power from killing other folks with her guns, and channel that power into a healing energy that brought life. After I had destroyed the shepherd inside her, her power had changed, allowing her to choose to heal or to destroy. Yet, just like my own old shadow, I feared that hers would linger with her, tempting her to fall on old ways. As the crash surged towards us, I could almost hear Lyconis whisper in my ear, telling me to abandon Hearthblade and crush these monsters with my bare hands. But my own will prevailed, and I brought Hearthblade around from left to right in the sweeping scythe of energy, sending the destructive power of the blade out in the arc. 
It was the only weapon I'd ever seen cause permanent and lethal damage to the actual darkness that embraced these creatures. It hit nearly a dozen of them, crashing into them like a wave, burning the few to ashes and setting the others ablaze with devouring light. They howled and screamed, crashing into each other and into the trees. It took a lot of my power to strike at them like this, and there were a lot more coming. Henry intensified his efforts, and Takum swept his fists down like hammers. The next wave was either maimed by Henry's blasts, or crushed into the dirt by the inevitable force of Takum. Julia leapt forward, and began grabbing the beasts by the scruff of their necks and flinging them against the trees, dodging their questing claws and snapping jaws. Her savagery was a thing of beauty. I caught myself being fascinated by it. I turned to see Henry had stopped firing, and his jaw had dropped open. He turned to grab my arm. Who the hell is that? I looked right in his eyes. It's Julia. Henry stared at me for a few seconds, looked back at her, and cursed. Oh yeah, you're not a god at all. Mick, something's wrong, Julia said, drifting back towards the three of us. She was pointing at the jungle floor near where the crash had fallen. Takuma had noticed something too and had stopped his attack. In the dirt were strange streams of darkness that were moving on their own. Not like the stuff that had covered the people in Trelane, but more like the malleable crap that Manon had for arms. He had been able to control it, shaping into whatever killing shape he had desired. The streams were moving back into the jungle, away from us. There was still a throng of crush moving towards us through the trees, though, howling challenges at us. More and more of them were coming, stepping over the burnt remains of their comrades in a determined push towards the village. This was no random attack. Someone or something was controlling them. Okay, fall back to Jalenga. Let's make our stand there. Henry nodded and grabbed Dakum by the arm. He looked back at Julia. They locked eyes for a moment, and I knew that we were all in for a rough ride with those two. Henry and Dakum took off, back towards the village. In her previous life, Julia had attempted to suck the life out of Dakum aboard Henry's ship, and I knew Dakum still bore the scars from that experience on his chest. Henry's devotion to the man he loved was fierce, and first impressions were very hard to overcome. I wondered, though, if some of his anger wasn't reserved for me as well. Julia turned to me. We could easily just lift them up and fly back together, could we not? Watching my friends retreat back to the trees. They don't know this you, Julia, and they remember the old you far too well. She looked very unhappy about what I said. The crush were getting closer. I rose up into the air, hooking a thumb upward to tell Julia to do the same. A crush was closing on her. She turned towards it as it bounded forward and leapt up. She kicked off of its head, and I heard the crunch of its skull as she did so. Very angry things can come in small packages. She soared past me, shaking her head. I swung Hearthblade in a downward strike as I floated forward, blowing a fiery hole in the oncoming wave of Kresh. Something to tide them over for a bit. I watched the black stream move away from the fiery crater with dread fascination, then flew back to catch up to Julia. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me bring the story to you each week. Come back next week for another episode of The Lost Drive, Darkest Hour.